Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, this is one of the weirdest X-Men movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, Disney's X-Men starting off in a weird spot. I mean, technically, uh, yeah. Disney does own A Cure for Wellness, which does co-star Mia Goth in that ah, movie, and that go. is a weird film as well. Yeah, uh, but today X is going to give it to you as we are reviewing Ty West's X, starring, as Eric mentioned, Mia Goth, Jenna, Scream Queen Jenna Ortega, uh, Martin Henderson, Brittany Snow, uh, Owen Campbell, uh, Stephen Yuri, and uh, Scott uh, Miscuddy, or Kid Cuddy, as people might know him as. Uh, Most Eric- recently used in the Moon Knight uh, teaser trailer. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. I love Day and Kid Cuddy. Yeah. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? Uh, good, Matt. I'm I'm ready to dig into this very weird proto slasher movie that is clearly paying homage and is also somewhat derivative to Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alfred Hitchcock's just Psycho. Watched, so, so, yeah. yeah. It's going to be fun to talk Psycho about. Psycho they one. reference, yeah. Yeah. They well, cuz they're both they're both inspired by um the serial killer Ed Gein who was mm. basically murdering people in the south and taking uh, which this movie is basically doing and, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> um I went to a 11:30 a.m. screening of this movie, so the perfect time, a nice little morning matinee with three other three other people in the theater. You love um, your horror in the morning. You know, I I always like I think A24 has an interesting approach to to horror. And we talked a little bit about this on the main show, uh, which you guys can go check out the 117th episode of the Untitled uh, Movie Podcast, where we talk about Grimace. the Critics' Choice Awards. <laughs> we do talk about Grimace for at least almost 10 minutes. Um, but we talk about the Critics' Choice Super Awards, which does cover horror. So we'll see if this shows up there <laughs> next year. Um, but good to see Ty West getting back. Like I know he did, uh, he recently did, didn't he do in the Valley of Violence? Violence. Yeah. Um, with Ethan Hawke and John Travolta. So it's been almost a decade since he's made like a horror movie with the sacrament, right? Yes. The infamous sacrament screening at TIFF, which I think people remember (laughs) that more than the movie itself. What happened? Oh yeah. never mind. You know. Okay. Oh, you know. (laughs) Uh, I remember <laughs> we won't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I interviewed Ty West for the sacrament. Actually, I interviewed yeah. him and I interviewed uh, Joe Jones? Swanberg and Gene Jones and Amy. I think I interviewed Amy Simons too, yeah. um, which I didn't even clue in when uh, we reviewed she dies tomorrow and stuff too yeah. um well she's a part of that group like even her having adam wingard in that movie like he's also a part of that and ty west was in uh you're next so yeah um eric what is x you kind of so, already well i mean you kind of mentioned it as well i mean it is a dmx biopic uh yeah. the finest we've ever seen no it, it basically is um a riff on toby hooper's texas chainsaw massacre and obviously paying homage to psycho it's this film that is also in the canon of a24 but isn't necessarily a, an elevated horror like in the way that the babadook or oh, not, the babadook's not even a24 which kind of is weird that you'd think it would be um 
that's IFC, but the way that Hereditary or Midsummer or, or stuff, yeah, 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 or Robert Eggers movies like The Witch and and The Lighthouse. Mm. So, but the Babadook is in that elevated genre of horror filmmaking. And I was thinking about that because Jenna Ortega says in Scream that she really likes the, the Babadook. Babadook yeah. um, and so what this movie essentially is, you have a group of amateur pornographers going out to rural Texas. <laughs> it starts off in, in Houston uh, in 1979 when the video market for porn was just about to begin and movies, adult entertainment was still being released theatrically. So like you'd go to New York and there was like this whole like row of yeah, cinemas row, yeah. yeah, that would always play, you know, these kind of like uh grimy looking poorly shot 16 millimeter uh film stock adult movies that were made by you know a small company or people trying to get into the industry this is kind of their you know um their way in and so you have this group this producer this you know uh up-and-coming star played by mia goth who has the x factor all going to this kind of deserted isolated farm where this older couple that are kind of puritan uh evangelistic kind of christian types who um don't know what uh is going on or what they're going to be filming even though that they've rented out this cabin space for uh, a period of time and like many Thai West movies like House of the Devil and The Innkeepers or even The Sacrament, it's very much a slow burn where the events really don't start to kind of take place until around maybe halfway through. It's it's a shorter movie. It's only about an hour 45, but it's very eerie and atmospheric mm. throughout in the way that you'd expect an A24 movie to be. And then in that last, I would say, 25 minutes of the film is where... Uh, a lot of the payoff comes up where, you know, the setup of all this kind of creepy, weird, moody kind of movie is. And then you get sort of the more traditional mm. scares that you would expect from, you know, your multiplex slashers. And throughout there, there is a lot of um, meta kind of commentary, but not in a pretentious way or kind of trying to deconstruct the genre. I think it's trying to more so embrace a specific type of movie that was made, you know, on a shoestring budget that was basically a kind of, you know, get rich quick kind of thing for a lot of people. It's like, Oh, we'll, you know, make, I spit on your grave or we'll make, you know, a Halloween or something that is derivative like that because those movies were successful and, you know, other filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers can do that. One of the guys who produced uh Texas chainsaw massacre is played, um, in Pam and Tommy um, by uh, why am I forgetting is Oh, Andrew Dice Clay. So like, right, yeah. it, like, like, so the way that these movies kind of were made back in the seventies and eighties were very much kind of mm. in the vein of like, okay, it's just a group of people getting together and maybe one person knows somebody who has a camera or is a, you know, aspiring filmmaker who didn't get into film school, but still kind of wants to make something. And you have that kind of, director type character and his girlfriend um sort of uh technician and sound uh operator kind of working together and he's trying to elevate the genre which is kind of yeah, funny in which itself is funny. yeah uh because that's some of the meta humor that does yeah work, yeah right? and it's and it's not meta in the sense of like it's being like winking at you and kind of like how no. oh, we're doing that like we're we're it's it's actually looking at okay that was a time where a lot of people in that age range that grew up watching, you know, French new wave and, you know, um, the, 
new Hollywood cinema of the seventies were probably inspired by that and thinking, Oh, I could make this genre of film like horror being porn that's looked down upon and do something with it and really kind of make it more than just mm-hmm. a porno movie. And obviously like deep throat was the big film that like kind of was inspiring a lot of people to kind of make DIY uh, porno movies at the time. And so yeah. with all of that on top of the slasher stuff, <laughs> you kind of get a mix of both tribute and also kind of trying to be its own thing. And I think that there's, things in this movie that are worth having a discussion over but also at the same time it's a little confusing to what the choices ty west makes is to what he ultimately is trying to achieve Mm -hmm. yeah i i you put it very very well but um i had a good time with it you know like i think it was a a a fun throwback um to that kind of 70s exploitation horror movie and it it might feel derivative to some and you've already kind of mentioned that but um i like the analysis and not saying it's saying anything super deep or anything but the juxtaposition between sex and violence and those things have always been so attached whether it's just from a what you can show in a, a movie or just the kind of act of both sex and violence and penetration I think movie, specifically. Yeah. And this movie shows that very, very well. In a the knife entering. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And there's some cuts there that are really kind of fun and, and, and fucked up. And, and I just think this movie showcasing that and using pornography and horror and Ty West has talked about this, but I just think like those things have been so synonymous kind of yeah that i think it's really interesting to show you know that in a in in this type of movie and in this type of way where yeah like you said it's the act of sex and the act of violence in this movie are very um uh attached and and just the that release whether it is you know having sex or in in this movie brutally killing people that it's just like because and then how it tackles like aging and beauty i think is kind of interesting and again i don't think you're getting super deep kind of analysis on any of this stuff but i think using that in a fun throwback slasher movie that is inspired by a lot of the things that you've already mentioned makes for kind of an entertaining uh kind of movie i think mia goth is 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 really really great and and once you kind of clue in that she's doing a a dual role in the movie you're like oh shit okay that's that's kind of awesome and and yeah i just love that about you know a woman who sees herself in in this beautiful young woman and and whose husband can't make love to her anymore because he has a heart problem and and then she used to be beautiful and she sees these old photos of herself and that like you know and and then attaching that to violence and having to have she can't have that release of of sex so she has to turn to like you said a different form of penetration and that sounds really crass and 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 graphic and the movie is but i think it does that in kind of interesting ways and is very brutal showing some of that stuff whether it's you know a knife through the eyeball and like i said I've made a joke about pulling out, but there's a literal cut that is that, that is like, it is just, it's intentional. And I think the whole movie is intentional in how it juxtaposes sex and violence. And I think that's an interesting approach to this. And it's while still being just kind of a, you know, pretty straightforward, slow burn slasher movie, right? Like I think. Yeah. It's an exploitation flick through and through. I think where I could be more critical, you already mentioned it though. 
it is a very sla- shallow slasher where like, yeah. everything it, it wears on its sleeve in terms of its references to Psycho 2, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, it actually mentions Psycho about halfway through with the, the MacGuffin of, you know, uh, the Janet Lee character kind of yeah. being the red herring and, and how the, I mean, there's even a shot of uh, one of the characters in a shower and you think, oh, are they going to do something like that is going to now mirror this? But then they don't necessarily, but then even some of the shots like in a basement kind of remind you of the final scene in Psycho or, you know, seeing a car, you know, in a body of water, like you think of Norman Bates, you know, basically kind of taking care of all the evidence that will, you know, connect mm-hmm. him back to this scene. But the difference here is like looking at this older couple, it weirdly i was thinking okay like is he doing something that is referencing motel hell which is about this like weird kind of couple that like when um visitors or people that kind of like their cars break down and they stop by they end up being pulled into um farmer fritter's world and they become basically um uh food they like they get put into the ground and like there's like a poster of it where like you see like the heads of the people um being you know buried up to their head and that they're being basically farmed you know okay um and it's a cannibal film and like i was thinking oh like this kind of almost looks like that a little bit but then when you realize what they're doing with the older people and and sort of having that reflection of of mirroring you know youth (laughs) and and age and you know the movie can be looked at both as progressive including older characters but also could be looked as ageist in terms of how the characters are used um and how some of the moments in especially the last act are played out with those characters uh or even just how uh mother of pearl as i like to call her or mother pearl (laughs) um you know becomes more antagonistic as the sun goes down referencing sundowning and sort of again how the mind kind of changes or get or gets lost when you know you're 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 throughout the day and if you have um you know anything Mm. that is to do with alzheimer's or, or anything like that so you know you could look at that again as the exploitation thing but critically when you're looking at it from the shallow point of view the 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 look and feel of the movie is reflecting those films that were made in the late 70s you know early 80s that would play you know at drive-in theaters and would go from one place to another to the point where like you know the film stock would just be so graded and um wrecked i mean grindhouse obviously did this as well that you could kind of you know criticize the aesthetic for being too stylish when like people like George Romero were making films like, you know, night and dawn of the dead or when Hooper was making uh, Texas chainsaw massacre. The reason why those movies looked the way they looked is just because that's all that they could afford. They, they, you know, like they were getting the short ends of 16 millimeter film to shoot on. And that's like the budget that they, they, they had, you know, they had to be creative when it came to this stuff where, Ty West, even though I'm sure he wasn't working with a huge budget, probably still had more resources available to him. Totally. And even shooting the movie in New Zealand instead of Texas, I think, is kind of interesting. And also, again, looking at like even the more recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. movie shooting in Bulgaria instead of Texas um, is an interesting choice. I don't think it ruins the movie or anything, but like it's just fascinating to see like these two. You know, I still think they nailed the vibe, though. Oh, no, totally, farmhouse. totally. I mean, like, even with Power of the Dog, like, I can understand people who live in Montana being like, okay, well, this doesn't really feel like Montana. But I do think that that movie and the way it's shot and 
Ari Wagner cinematographer represents, you know, big sky country. And I think this does too. Um, but it is just interesting thinking about like, you know, these Americana-esque stories about like the sort of subversive South being shot in either Eastern Europe or yeah. New Zealand. You know, it's 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 fascinating in that way. But yeah, I, I think the movie overall, like if you haven't seen a Thai West film before, like you might be even more taken by it because if you don't know how he works with like, okay, the last 20 minutes of that movie are going to really hit you hard and everything yeah. else in between is almost like a buildup to it. Even though there are moments with the buildup, obviously like them playing a cover of Fleetwood Mac, a buildup to the climax, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, you know, playing Fleetwood Max landslide and things like that. Like there's moments there where they're trying to add a little bit more character or texture yeah. uh, that wouldn't be seen usually in those films. But, um, it just kind of feels to me like at the same time, it's like, okay, I think house of the devil did this better in terms of getting to that last 20 minutes and making sure. it so memorable. And then innkeepers, I felt that the relationship between uh, Pat Healy and Sarah Paxton's characters was much more charming and, and winning you over and that you cared about someone in this, in this whole situation. I didn't care about anybody. And you could say that, well, that works for Texas Chainsaw or for, for any slasher movie, because a big part of the selling point for a lot of slasher films is that if you don't like the character, you're looking forward to them being horribly yeah. mutilated and murdered beyond, you know, uh, recognition. Yeah. What about Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever? <laughs> sure. I mean, it's it's even interesting thinking like, I mean, Eli Roth, I think, did an interview with Ty West yeah. during South by Southwest where it's like Cabin, Cabin mm. in the Woods, Cabin Fever, all of these movies are trying to pay homage to the genre that they are playing yeah. within, but also deconstructing it where I feel that this movie is at least, I like Cabin in the Woods a lot more. I think Cabin Fever, I'm probably on par, but- I think X is trying to kind of be more streamlined in how it tackles the genre and sort of staying true to the tropes where there is a little bit of satirizing them though. Like it's not necessarily. I mean, the, the, some of, some of the kills are kind of, over the top in that kind of comical comical way where, or even like how, like, uh, you know, uh, a way a gun's fired and how the discharge is and like how that plays out. Like it is very goofy, but I do feel like sometimes with the aesthetic choices that Ty West makes, which are very lovely looking, but it's almost like, okay, you're overindulging in something where like George Romero and Toby Hooper didn't have the means to shoot the way you are no, or, or they just shot it that way because that's yeah. all they had, you know, yeah, where this totally. still does look good. And then on top of that, I mean, it's not the movie's fault, but knowing that, you know, he also shot a prequel called Pearl, which will also have one of the characters from this movie return. Uh, but also learning or knowing maybe more about like what he was going for with the makeup and prosthetics of one character and, maybe learning if there's going to be a supernatural angle or not, or if it's just going to keep it straightforward because usually when slasher sequels kind of have their fifth or sixth film, that's usually when they get the supernatural sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, Jason didn't become a supernatural undead entity until Jason lives, which was Friday the 13th part six. So, you know, that will be interesting to see. And then him talking about like doing a, a third movie as well, which would be a sequel to X and then kind of like world building within this universe. Again, there's not a lot of, universe left it's interesting that this is yeah i mean i'm fascinated by that i didn't even know he he did this pearl prequel already right and then uh 
I don't think it's spoiling anything, but it, um, it, it's I'm reading the synopsis and I won't read it out. But like, I'm I'm fascinated of him doing a prequel and a sequel to this movie and making it kind of this trilogy. And um, I would have just thought it would have been a one and done kind of thing. But you know, when like I said, when you clue into a certain person playing dual roles, it's just like, ah, oh, that's interesting. And then you it, there like, has to be a point, point to like, it, right? Yeah. Or my point was just like you know, it's the most literal version of you see yourself in someone, right? Right. And like, so I, and what the movie's trying to do, which I, I think is, but the uh, character also cool. keeps talking about like, Oh, she's the one I want. Or like, and you think that there's going to be something more to it than, than just that. Like, I think, I think it is stranger, or creepier, just having people be weirdos and people yeah. be, you know, like, again, like this is taking place in a, in a, in a part of America that still is very, christian um but this is at a time where like that kind of like puritan quality is like anything that is not confining within you know the religious standards of catholicism will be considered um the mm-hmm. devil or you know something which horrible. is used on a tv uh sermon that they kind of yeah go back to and also just being set in the south yeah. like well, totally. i think like that yeah. comes with it as well where like i think people are weirder than maybe like a supernatural creature and like it's harder to basically um surmise or justify like oh why did these people do this horrible thing to somebody else it's like it, like what were they thinking like i don't know like i would never do something like this but like why would somebody do this that is human so it's it's harder to kind of you know come up with an explanation to those atrocities i do also think though that there's a missed opportunity here or maybe he will do it with the sequel to x and maybe he'll do another one but like it would have been better if like it each sequel is called the first one is xx and then the third one is xx triple x and then we bring in Vin Diesel, uh, <laughs> which would be amazing. But uh, I love when you click on this. It's like, are you sure you're not looking for triple X? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, like when you see when you're introduced to the older farmer at first, you don't see his face and you you kind of see like a silhouette of him. Um, and the way that that kind of informs you the way that he's that ty west is directing that scene it's like yeah. okay there's something to this there and then when you see the couple uh, you know eventually you understand that okay there is something here with the makeup and prosthetics that yeah. he's playing with and, and who's playing them yeah and it's even just interesting thinking about like one of the cast members was also in suspiria where the the luca guadagnino remake where tilda swinton makeup also played three roles in that movie so um it almost feels like this person is like oh well i want to do that now and and so we'll see where this goes with the prequel which there's a trailer available in the u.s at least that's attached to uh x so that will supposedly be coming that would have been so jarring to watch that before you see the movie oh totally Like I feel, unless it was a post credits kind maybe of maybe it was post credits. Maybe it was like Back um, to the Future Part Two. I didn't Back stay to the, to the end, so maybe this had the trailer on it. I didn't stay to the very end. Did you? Uh, like, uh, I did, but there was no trailer. Okay, okay true. Yeah, but um, it was at I a wanna, press screening. So I want to give a shout out to Kid Cudi. I thought he was great. Um, I actually like him quite a bit. Talking about um, a prosthetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sequence is awesome. Um, but that's a weird character too, because like, he's this Vietnam vet who has this weird, like he, 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 he is almost somewhat empathetic to the farmer because the farmer's also a veteran of war of of, of World War II. And you're thinking to yourself, like, why is, is, is 
uh, Scott Miscuddy's character being so nice to this guy. Like, yeah, I would I know. not be at all. <laughs> yes, totally. And then shout out to Jenna Ortega because she was just in Scream uh, earlier this year. She was also in Studio 666, uh, another horror movie this year. So three horror movies in a single year. And she was also in The Babysitter Killer Queen and Insidious Chapter 2. Um, so probably one of our more modern scream queens. So good for her. I thought, and also I, shout I, I out to Martin this. Henderson, basically yeah. doing an impression of Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Luke Wilson. I thought of Billy Autry from Everybody Wants Some a lot. He too. has that like, um, like he does feel like a Wilson brother in a weird way. Like the whole time I was thinking, because like Martin Henderson's one of those like generic white guys who's not bad, but he kind of like after the ring which was kind of like his first kind of big role opposite naomi watts the the, the gore verbinski remake um he kind of had that moment there was like he's one of those guys torque. like even torque was another <laughs> one where it was like okay we're trying to make him the next big thing and then yeah. after that he was in smoke and aces and then he kind of just like disappeared for a while and then was in uh the strangers pray at night and then he pops up here so like it's just interesting when like i think of him and even like someone like josh hamilton of um uh, eighth grade where there was that time where yeah those guys were just yeah in everything or ron right? eldard from mystery alaska you know, i mean he's done a lot ER of tv right yeah. like he did a lot of gray's anatomy and now he's on virgin river so um you know i guess he's this is a, definitely not virgin river <laughs> no um but yeah i i dug the movie i think horror fans will dig it like yeah. i think um you know i don't think it's spectacular or anything but um I thought it did some interesting things, like I said, with sex and violence and aging and beauty. And then, you know, the homages to the movies that it's kind of um, uh, imitating, I think, are are done fairly well, even if it's like, OK, a little bit on the nose. But uh, I was fine with that. And I like the look of the movie. Love the title card at the end. I love the vibe. I, I thought the look of the the farmhouse was awesome. The sound of the you know, the crickets or the, and stuff like it's just that, that swamp kind of, or not swamp kind of feeling. But you, yeah, like, that, that kind of like yeah. Southern swampy, dirty, yeah. grimy. Like I just felt like heat. they nailed that vibe. Yeah. It just felt sweaty yeah. and like, and hot. And, uh, I dug that. So I'm going to give the movie a three and a half. I liked it quite a bit. I'm going to give it three X's out of five, but I yeah. did appreciate what it was doing. And I will say this, even though I liked the Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre way more and it, obviously was the first to do what it did. The one thing that I like more about this than I do about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that I found that these characters were less obnoxious than the characters in the original yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There is no Franklin type character in no. this. And it is having interesting conversations about consent and freedom of choice and hypocrisy in in one specific scene about one character wanting to be in the film which i thought was kind of interesting as well yeah. which is um something that a lot of these movies don't have those conversations about because they're really about okay the character needs to commit the original sin in order for them to be uh eviscerated in uh, a very horrible which it way. still does but at least they have that conversation yeah <laughs> so they're covering yeah. their grounds a little bit <laughs> yeah totally um thank you all for listening or watching we really do appreciate it uh you can check out other reviews we have right now uh still uh, more in the thriller uh but still very erotic <laughs> 
in ways. Maybe uh, not as many X's. Uh, it's an erotic thriller, a little bit more tame than this movie. Uh, but we have a review up for Deep Water, which you guys can check out. Again, another movie that feels like it's imitating uh, movies of another time. Yeah. Uh, but maybe for better or for worse. But with a filmmaker who was of that time. Exactly. Just making one of those movies again. So go check out of our Deep Water review. Uh, we also have a ton of other reviews over on Untitled Movie Reviews that you guys should check out. Like I mentioned, we also have our 117th episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast where we talk about the Critics' Choice Awards and Grimace and Turning Red and a bunch of other things. So go check that out as well. We'll also have an Oscars preview slash prediction show later this week. So you guys can check that out. Uh, we'll have reviews for uh, The Lost City and everything, everywhere, all at once. I, I, we'll never get that right. I'll have to actually read it. when <laughs> Everything, everywhere, uh, all at once, yeah. right? And spoiler okay. alert, it's I loved it. So Yeah, I can't wait to so. see it and talk about it with you. So we'll have that probably. I don't know if they want us to hold it for the week of review, but we'll have that soon. Yeah. Um, even if it's just uh, impressions at first. Uh, go check out uh, our Letterbox HQ where you can find everything, which is untitled underscore movies. Everything, everywhere, all at shop. once on Letterbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchand. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. They got to put a moratorium on uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. Just, I, I do it. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. But X gonna give it to you. Missed oh, if that had that in there, I would give it five. <laughs> Bye, everybody.